Sharon and I interviewed Claudia Pfeiffer, who is a specialist in somatic education. And what an eye-opener, especially for me, who's always done exercise classes where I follow the person at the front of the class and we exercise all our muscles. So for me, it was just great. And I hope you will all listen to it. I agree with you, Kathy. I also have been doing exercise classes for many, many years, usually um, big movements, wide movements, whole body, arms, legs. It never occurred to me that a form of exercise could be small, focused movements to attack a certain area to maintain flexibility and um, grace of movement, as, you, as I can say. Um, I always thought that getting older, uh, and being a bit stiff and a bit sore and a bit more difficult to move was natural and normal. And I didn't realize that it was a thing that there are people out there working on preventing that from happening. So it's very good to hear and it's very inspiring because um, just because we're older doesn't mean that we have to be uh, stiff and not using our bodies as gracefully and as flowing as we would like them to be. So that was really good for me. And I agree, uh, this is Sharon. So I just thought the interview was extraordinary. I thought it was an extraordinary experience. I, I felt that, uh, that, that her compassion and, and her caring came through in the interview. And the fact that she's chosen somatic education really as a life work uh, was also part of the interview. Um, given that both Ronya and I have worked with her, we know that in fact, uh, the small movement therapy does in fact work and it does help heal the body and it gives the body the opportunity in fact to heal. So it was really, I thought an extraordinary experience and I hope other people enjoyed as well. Welcome listeners to our conversation this morning with. Clody Pfeiffer. Um, Clody, your website has a beautiful phrase, let us celebrate the joy to live with a moving body, which allows us to bounce and shine all over the world until the end of life. I think we all want to bounce and shine. Uh, but first, Clody, can you give us a brief introduction to this field? sometimes referred to as clinical somatic education. So uh, first of all, I would, I would just say somatic education is, uh, is um, I would start maybe for a short definition of somatic education and then maybe circle back to a little historical background where it's coming from, you know. Um, so somatic education is, um, defined it's coming from soma the greek of the greek word of soma and soma means the living body the living body seen as a whole uh, function on a functional uh, way mean how you move um, on an emotional way also how you feel yourself and also in a spiritual way how you how you are related to the world, how, what's, what's, what's your life there in this world. So somatic is, is covering this whole field of global being, you know, and how, uh, so it's, it's very ancient. Some, soma is existent in Greeks, in, 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 so uh, that's a definition. So concretely, um, Somatic education is a guidance. It's a guidance to explore unusual movements and in order to live fully your body. So a little bit later, we'll explain the difference between exercising and somatic education. But um, let's go back a little bit in, a, in history. So if we go back, circle back at the beginning of the last century, the 20th century, uh, at the end of the war, uh, the first war, world war, you know, there were 
people were, I mean, mostly destroyed, not only physically, but also emotionally. There were a lot of traces of the world. People were falling apart. So that was exactly at the same time that, that uh, you, you started to see the first pioneers in somatic education and in free dance. Let's go to dance, for example. You had Isadora, Isadora Duncan, who, who, Isadora Duncan, who, who wanted to find a way of dance freely without, you know, doing a sort of alternative, find an alternative between classical dance but you had special way of moving, a special frame of moving. Um, uh, she's, she said that a sort of having people put in a sort of bodily prison for her. So she started to dance freely, you know, with veils and, and barefoot. And, and uh, so she introduced this way of changing the way of, 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 of dancing. And, um, and, you, you start at this time to see the first uh, uh, way of seeing the body as a whole, as a unit, and not in pieces, you know? Uh, so, and uh, she wanted to liberate the body from classical dance, you know? And we are not here to oppose, you know, classical dance is classical dance. And modern dance and 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 is is uh, is a different way of considering movement. So and in gymnastic again also you know how you you had this way of uh, of wanting to consider the body as a whole and you could see in Germany for instance uh, coming along uh, free gymnastic anti gymnastic soft gymnastic what they call gymnastic douce you know. And the goal was to explore more freedom in movements and not to, to be like, you know, pieces, moving an arm, moving a leg, moving, uh, but more globally. So that's, that's the beginning of the, of the century, last century. And uh, also they were observing that um, Children, when they go to school and start to sit all the day, they're losing their freedom in movement. So all this uh, somatic education movement was based also on observing how animals move, how children move in the early stages of development, and how we, we could go back to this free, organized um, movements. So I would say, you know, historically, when we go back to that. And also what's interesting that in the 50s, there was also a time where the view about the brain changed. You have this fantastic woman who, who um, Marianne Diamond, who was the first anatomist who found out that the brain was plastic, meaning able to reorganize themselves through experience. That was, imagine her finding that in, she was a, only woman uh, in, a, in a sort of crowd of scientific men who were against her. Because before, you know, we considered that we are coming on, we, we are born with a certain number of neurons and then we live our life and then progressively those neurons are dying. We are declining, declining and that's, that's how we are declining. So she found out that was totally wrong. So in the 50s, you start to have this fantastic discovery of the plasticity of the brain, able to reorganize yourself through experience until your end of the life. So that was huge, you know? And, um, and uh, um, that changed totally our way of, of thinking, the way of seeing uh, our human experience, right? And uh, so brain was constantly changing through the experiences what we have in life. And uh, of course, some neuron connection were lost. You know, you know this, she, Marion Diamond was the first was using, you know, use it or lose it. You know, if you lose, if you use yourself, 
you will add connections. If you don't use yourself in a certain way, you will lose the connection. That doesn't mean that connection is disappearing totally, but there is a sort of that just putting asleep, you know. So, for instance, how do we understand that if we don't use ourselves in a certain way, we start to not knowing anymore, and the brain forgets how to use us in a certain way. And uh, the beauty of the plasticity and the results of the plasticity was that as soon as you become aware of how you're moving, you can learn new ways and you can change uh, your way of moving, change habits. And we come a little bit later about habits, you know. So, uh, and the number of neuron connections can grow without limits. And even when we age and even as long as possible until the end of our life, which is the beauty of it. So that was a huge discovery. And in the 70s, you had this philosopher in the United States, Thomas Anna, who decided to group all those different method of different method of somatic education in one and call it somatic. That's how it started in the 70s to be called somatic and somatic education because it was a way of learning, unlearning habits, learning new way of moving and which is different way of considering ourselves in movement related to exercise. I hope I'm clear enough how, so that's about history it's important to understand that you know of course after you had the wars and second war and you know it, it it makes sense to consider a person as a whole so what's i don't you want if i continue what's a link between the plasticity and somatic education you know what's a, what's a link between that so so those practices and somatic considering us as an embodied presence and as a, a whole uh, was very important if we consider habits. The paradox when we're aging is that we need habits to feel safe in life, you know? It's how it gives us a sense of safety. We do things the same way. We put the things in the same cupboard. We, we know, you know, we have our habits. It gives us a safe of, the sense of safety. The paradox is that I needed these habits. But at the same time, when you have habits, it's always lightening, you know, the same neurons in our brain. So when you have habits, you are also limiting yourself, meaning that you can use yourself on a much more wide way. And if you use yourself in a certain way, you will lose as a connection and you will have limitation coming along. So what we do in somatic education, we are teaching a way of moving ourselves in, in order to be more aware to be, be more aware of what we are doing. If you see one of the pioneers of somatic education with Moshe Feldenkrais, uh, he discovered most of the pioneers of somatic education, they found their methods after having injuries. Alexander Technique, which is well known in the world and in, in England and, and it, it's insurance, social insurance is covering Alexander Technique in England. Uh, he lost his voice and he discovered that because of that, he couldn't, he was in the theater, he couldn't sing, he couldn't talk anymore. And he discovered that it was because of the general tension in his body that he had lost his voice. Moshe Feldenkrais, who was an Israeli, was also a pioneer, and he injured very badly his knees. He was a judo master. He was a doctor in, in, in uh, physics and, uh, and injured, injured twice his, his knees very, very badly. 
and he didn't want to have surgery. So he started to think and to work on himself. And he discovered that the injury that he had was not a question of knees. He discovered that the whole way he was using himself, not only in judo, but in his daily life, brought tension, limitation, dysfunction, which led to problem with his knees. So he considered and he worked on himself in order to change his way of moving, to be more way to learn different options to move and which led to, to uh, a total recovery of his knees. And uh, I find it interesting because I had that, this, this own experience for myself. I also fell, I fell because I didn't see a hole on, the, on Sherbrooke Street. And so I, I, you know, I strained my ankle, whatever. I had very bad, a bad knee and I have very much pain in my, my knees for a while. And uh, because I worked on my feet and on my ankle, on my pelvis, on the shoulders, on the spine, and not on the knees, especially, <laughs> after two years, I recovered 90% of my mobility of the knees, you know? So that's also interesting, interesting to, to, um, to notice. So somatic education is, a, is, a, is a, a path of autonomy. It's a path of embodied presence. It's a path of uh, self-learning and a path of also self-transformation. And it's a guidance of exploring uh, not a movement on an inhabitual way, you know, find some. You have a problem with your shoulder, right? So when you do exercise, you will focus on your shoulder. If you do physiotherapy, you will do focus on the shoulder. And understanding me well, it's not an opposition of different aspects. It's not saying one is better than the other. It's just a way to see how it can be complementary. In somatic education, we will work to find what you, which are the friends of the shoulder. How is your ribcage moving? How is your head moving? How is the pelvis moving? How is the spine moving? In order to support the shoulder and in order to look at your habit, how do you use yourself in your daily life? And that's a way how we look into uh, bringing a better organization in your movement and a reorganization and having different options in your way of movement in order to find that the brain find the more optimal way, which is not from outside somebody showing you what to do, but it's you who are finding your own way of an optimal movement. At that stage, do you have any questions? <laughs> How do you? <laughs> that's that's beautiful. Um, wow, that, that leads to a lot of thought, doesn't it? Many, many different ways of thinking about things. And I like your use of habit. Um, I read once that the human brain just runs on habit because then you don't have to break everything down into little movement, move your big little finger. You've got a habit that takes care of everything. So you're saying that we have to learn better habits if we have, if our shoulder is complaining, or we have a perhaps a bad habit with that, yes? So because you are bringing this finger, let's let do a little experience all together. Cross your, your, your fingers, okay? And just, just notice how you cross your finger, how, how are your, your fingers, are they comfortable like that? You know, how, how you feel the weight of your elbows? Do you touch your elbows on your desk? I don't know what you have or what you have in front of you, but you know, are you feeling shoulders? Are the shoulders roll in front of you or backwards? Or is one shoulder lower than the other? You know, that's all those questions of bringing awareness. So now 
I will invite you to cross your finger on a non-habitual way, a different way. So <laughs> and just start, you know, how to, to sense yourself. How is it now to, to, to just to have the, the hands crossed in a different way? I'm feeling every finger. <laughs> you feel every finger, every yeah. finger, okay, which you didn't sense before. No, no. Okay. And the reason why you didn't feel before is because you did it on an habitual way. So as it's an habitual way, you do it. You just you do it because you always do it like that. So you, you, you can cross your fingers and and you can think about the lunch you will cook later or you know, bring it. So because I, I invite you to cross it in a different non-habitual way, you know, you bring it, uh, you bring you, you need to bring your attention to it. And because you bring your attention to it, you allow your brain to ask the question, how do I do that? Mm -hmm. And Feldenkrais said, and, and another pioneer in the somatic education, Dr. Aaron Fried said, if you know what you're doing, you can do what you want. Yeah, yeah. And usually when we are in our habits, you know, we do it, you know. Do you remember how many times you go in the street and you even don't notice what's, you know, the flowers or notice this and notice, you know, or, you know, you don't notice things because you, you are just caught somewhere else, you know. But because we change, it's very simple, right? It's very simple to just but bring your attention. And because you bring your attention, you can eventually uh, do it differently. And that's the beginning of freedom. Because if you are aware of what you're doing, if you embody your presence, you can do whatever you want. You can change options. You can, with one thumb up or with, you know, with, with the hand down, you can have a lot of different options. But at the end, we give the brain more connections. And as we have more connections, we have also more freedom. You know? So, but let's go, maybe I wanted to, to share with you also that how, how somatic education is a I say a path also to um, I would fight against ages and the word fight is maybe a little bit too strong, but but um, I'm very interesting, I'm very committed, I'm very concerned, I would say, about ages. You know, I'm personally I'm you know, I'm turning 69 this year and and I'm looking and I'm observing my clients, which are mostly about 50 up, you know, uh, uh, reaching 85. And, and, and uh, I'm always being concerned about the negative stereotypes, you know, uh, negative stereotypes, which uh, uh, affects a lot of people regarding their, their, regarding their, their body shape, their appearances and, and now aging. And because I'm also, aging myself and I'm seeing in my clients, you know, my clients are, are you know, reaching some of them over 80. And, uh, and um, so I just found out a very recent report of the World Health Organization and, uh, and which is, has been, uh, it came out in 2021 and 169 pages. Can you imagine it's quite a lot and the World Health Organization defined ageism uh, is first of all the stereotypes, what we think about aging and aging people, prejudices, the feelings about ageism and uh, about discrimination, actions and uh, how we behave. So it's very strong. And I mean, there are very, a lot of areas where you can uh, notice this, this ageism and how is it experienced on three different levels. First, on an institutional level, politics, you know, and, you know, remember what's happening to, to COVID and how all this aging population just was, it, it was died, you know, uh, because of, 
of politics and, and, and lack of, of, of people working in these institutions. Uh, it, it's an institutional level, interpersonal, and also how we, we see ourselves. So institutional is politics. Interpersonal is how we uh, lack of respect, you know, and how aging people are very much isolated. And when you see the numbers, and I will invite you to, if you want, interested, to read this report, because if you go to World Health Organization, you find this report. So, uh, but what's interesting me a lot was also how it affects our own way of seeing ourselves, our self-esteem, how, how we put limitation, you know, labeling ourselves. Uh, we're thinking, oh, it's because of my age, I cannot do it anymore. In, in order not to try, try other things. And I know here I have a special audience, you know, of, of people and women who are doing, exploring different things. But if I, in the locker room, you know, at, when I go swimming, I mean, listen, I'm very much listening what people say. And I, I listen sometimes, I hear, oh, I have this pain, it's because of age, you know? And that doesn't mean that I'm denying the transformation coming with age, right? It happens, there are transformations, you know, in our body, in our sight, in our skin. But the way of seeing it ourselves will bring, this labeling will bring uh, a way of seeing ourselves, which is a great, great limitation. And the experience and my experience because I'm teaching somatic education for over 40 years and I can see how when you, you give you a chance to do differently, explore differently, you will activate the plasticity of your brain and you will increase your mobility, you will change, you know. For example, if you look at posture, okay, Usually when we're aging, it's usually there is a sort of the gravity, it's an attraction of a gravity center and we sometimes it affects our posture, right? Our habits are affecting our posture, the way how we are sitting, how we are using ourselves. Another way to see that is people will say, you have to work on your posture. You have to work out your posture. You have to push yourself to be straightened. The way how we see that in somatic education, we will not say that, no pushing. We will explore different options, which at the end will inform the brain and the brain will find its own way to straight, strengthen your, your spine. That's the beauty of it, right? And it's possible and has nothing to do with age, it has to do with changing habits. And you can change your way, how you see your posture and how you experience your posture very late and at a very, very old age. This can change, you know? And I've seen it, I've experienced, clients have experienced it, and it's absolutely touching to, to witness that. So, Ageism is affecting us on a, a conscious and unconscious way, you know. What the World Health Organization said in this report is that people are more isolated because they see themselves as too old. Uh, it gives more financial insecurity. And can you imagine what they said in the report that all in the world there's over 6 million people who are affected of depression because of ageism and the way how they see themselves, how institutions consider aging, how prejudices are against aging, how there's discrimination, which is huge, which is huge. So that's really, I find that really important. So for me, for instance, uh, and that's why Somatic education is bringing some hope. There are two visions who are opposed. In our societies, there is a determinist vision, which is very strong, where ageism is based on. 
aging, we are declining. After 65 years, we are declining. It's a catastrophe, it's an handicap. And, but there is another vision. It's a developmental vision based on this plasticity of the brain. We are aging since we are born. We're just changing since we are born. We are transforming ourselves permanently. In, and our experiences are transforming us. And we learn through our experiences. And if our experiences bring us limitation, we can unlearn those experiences and, and bring other experiences, change habits, and free us up from this limitation. It doesn't mean personally I had surgeries and I have some limitation and my clients have some limitation on surgery, but even then you can transform and you can see how you can move despite your limitation, how you can include your li limitation and, and, and let them help you to find other way of moving. So, uh, um, I remember, you know, an aging is probably, you know, and, the, and, and the, you know, the people who will listen to this podcast also will, will know that for sure that not very long ago, I had my knees injuries and I, get to the, I go to the orthopedist. And he tells me, you know, it's just normal for your age. You know, for your age, it's just normal. You have arthrosis in your knees, so don't think you will recover it. It's, it's just normal for your age. And then he said, you want a cortisone shot? And I said, I have nothing against cortisone shot, you know. I know people that help them very much, cortisone shots. But I said, no, I don't want, I want to find other options to recover my knees. We'll see it's possible. And, you know, I recovered my knees. So this idea of it's because of your age, it's normal for your age, it's totally an ageist way of considering the person and not inviting the person to find other options, you know? And uh, if I feel myself old, and probably if you look at the mirror in the morning, sometimes I look at myself, oh, I look, you know, I find I, I look a little bit old this morning. The whole day will be colored with that. So how I see myself uh, will act on my way, how I move myself, and how I function, you know. And uh, in a determinist way of vision, that will lead to shrinking. This way of thinking about myself, how people think about myself, how the society feels about aging will lead to shrinking. And that we see what we see and, and maybe, uh, and, and, and what's motivates me is that that can change, that can change. Yeah. That's good. That's that we do internalize what we hear about aging. And it's, uh, I, I think I'm going to uh, search out that WHO report and have a look at it. Um, I I just have one very practical question, and maybe you could answer about your website and your online studio and uh, where we can get some help to learn about this. And, and um, I think your website may be a very good uh, example of how to get into this way of, of thinking about our bodies and our movements. So if you could talk a little bit about your website, which is agingwithoutshrinking.com in the English version, and there's also a French version. Um, could you just let us know a little bit about that. Yeah, so, um, so the most information that we'll get is uh, on my general website, claudiepfeiffer.com and uh, the vieillirsansretrestir.com, which is agingwithoutshrinking.com is part of, of what, what, I, what I'm offering. And, and uh, first, maybe the, the reason why I called uh, that aging without shrinking is, as I said, myself, I'm aging, but also it's my 
commitment, you know, to do a diff to to have a, to make a difference, you know. I don't like injustice, and I don't like uh, rejection of difference. And uh, what's important in in this in this work, and you will find it in in, in the website also, um, that to understand the difference between exercise and, and somatic education. So in this website, in Aging Without Shrinking, it's not an exercise class. There's not exercise classes. What's the difference between, we, exercise classes have their own goals and they're useful and they're necessary and it's not again an opposition. But this work is focused on learning, unlearning habits, relearn, exploring different way, exploring sensing practices and, and learning to sense, which in exercise, it's more focused on achievements, achievement of goals, you know, muscles and, and you know, it's, it's as a way of, of seeing ourselves. And we are never pushing to the end of the range. We're doing little slow movements and because we want to increase the ability to sense, the ability to explore, the ability of doing different movements. So, and the other thing what I want to add is that um, uh, it's, it's not an achievement of a goal which come from the outside, you know? a goal coming from the outside, having results, you know, it's a way of more uh, learning and discovering about ourselves, how we do what we are doing. That's very important, how we do you know, what we're doing in order to do it differently. So in the website, I'm offering different, uh, different types. It's I offer Feldenkrais lessons, Bones for Life lessons, which is focused on on bones density, increasing bones density, and also uh, movable lessons with balls to increase fluidity and flexibility. And what um, what are what are the principle and 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 the needs? What what is covered in 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 the, the website because aging without shrinking is a membership site so people become member and they can take as much lessons as they want and actually it's only in French but it will start uh, there will be also a class in English coming soon we're covering some needs needs of subtleness uh, to maintain elasticity and and joints and uh, fluidity in the joints uh, we're addressing um, balance issues, you know, uh, how can I have more balance, more challenges for my brain. Uh, if people have fear of osteoporosis, we address that, don't, of course, prevention of falls. And uh, for example, you know, there was a very important research in Switzerland, Professor Kresnik, who discovered that the first important fall will happen Six months after, somebody cannot do two things at the same time. You know, you, you are walking and you stop walking to talk. Mm -hmm. You probably remember people, aging people having done, you know, when they talk, talk, stop walking while they talk. That means they're not able to walk and talk at the same time. Six months later, the first fall appears, you know. And what he said, Chris, it's important to maintain the ability to do many things at the same time. How do we do that in somatic education? We will move the arm, we'll move the pelvis, move the head at the same time, move the eyes at the same time. So doing different way to maintain the ability of the brain to do different things at the same time. That will push away faults, you know? which is also different than just focus on the feet, which we do also, but is to maintain the functionality of doing several times, things at the same time. Um, to regain self-esteem, you know, how I see myself, how, how I feel comfortable in life, how I have increased safety in my way of, of, of moving and bring more easy way to do things. And Feldenkrais says also, Moshe Feldenkrais say, uh, and I love this quote is, uh, 
make possible what was impossible, easy what was difficult, and the easy more gracefully. So, and um, I don't know if that it, it, it answer your, your question, Catherine. Um, did you, uh, Bronya, you wanted to talk, but I think you were muted. <laughs> That'll help. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, Claudia. I think you gave us a really good overall view of your program and of the um, somatic education uh, movement uh, in which you have embarked on. Um, what I was wondering is if you could give us just a very brief um, overview of how a class um, is conducted. Like what can people expect if they come to one of your classes, whether it's online or in person? So a class lasts around one hour, one hour, 15 minutes. You come and you will start standing or, or sitting or on the floor first to sense yourself, to bring awareness, how you start the lesson, how you feel your feet, how you feel your shoulders, how you feel the tension, how you're breathing. And then you go on the floor and we'll be on the back, on the side, or sometime on chairs. And then we do different exploration, moving the shoulder, moving the arm, moving the rib cage. And then at the end, uh, again, you come up standing and you can compare, compare what how it was at the beginning, how it is now. And you can yourself uh, check, I would say, what are the transformation in one hour? So what people say, they say, oh, I feel more straight, or I feel more wide, or I feel more safe on my feet, or I breathe more deeply, or that's what we hear of what people are saying. So that's how a class is conducted. And I'm guiding, I'm not showing the movements. I'm guiding, I'm giving guided instruction, and I will see the people online or in person and eventually I will invite some people to do different ways, but it's everybody has his own uh, body and his own way of moving. And I invite people to explore the moments that I'm giving instruction of. And in order to, that they become more aware of what they're doing more, it, more easy. And what's very important when I'm teaching, I repeat very often, don't go to the edge of the range range don't don't push on yourself uh do it slow uh breathe take rest and rest we are doing several rests during the lessons why do we have rests it's not because we are lazy but we're doing rest because it's a way of allowing the brain to integrate the changes and the brain can integrate the changes only when it's resting, only when it's resting, which is different of repetitive movement, what we do when we exercise, you know, where we have to repeat and to repeat in order to stay, you know, stretched and to stay, uh, to, 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 to keep the results, you know. Here, it's because we are taking rest that the brain is integrating changes in the habits and maintain the evolution and, and the freedom that we are gaining. Is that, is that answering your question? Yes, yes, it does. It gives me a, a good indication, a good idea. Um, I have to personally say that I have had a um, personal session with you once, and I did, a, um, I think, a, a program of three online courses uh, when you were going for some specific training uh, for a, a program. And um, it's very different from all the other types of exercise classes I've ever had throughout my uh, life. I've had, I've gone to many, many exercise classes where the focus is on large movements and using your body, your limbs and your arms and legs, uh, your, you know, your head, your whole body in a very large way. This was a focus on inner small movements and it took me a while to switch over and realize that it's like from internal, um, an internal kind of force that I have to focus on. 
and do those small movements very slowly and really focus on the body part that I'm trying to move. And I found that whole experience very helpful in that recently I had to go see a physiotherapist for some pelvic floor exercises, which are also uh, focused on inner small movements in the pelvis area. And I caught on very quickly. The, the um, physiotherapist was quite surprised that I caught on so quickly because she says usually people are trying to move their whole body <laughs> rather than focusing on that inner. And I think that you're... Uh, the courses I took with you helped me with that, helped me understand the difference between large outer body movements and small inner body movements. So I found that very helpful. That's interesting what you bring up, Bronya. It, it allows me to also to, to how it's important for me, it's the bridges, you know, I'm swimming, for instance, or I'm taking boxing classes, you know, and, uh, and, and it's how, you know, swimming, I can swim with being being aware of my shoulder blades and how the shoulder blades is moving to help my swim to be more, uh, you know, have more fluidity in, in, in the swimming. So that's how you can build bridges. Once you're aware of what your shoulders are doing, what your ribcage is doing, how you're moving your whole spine when you're swimming, you know, uh, it, it helps you to swim better. I have a, a a grandmother who over 80, you know, going on the floor, learning to crawl. She, she said on the floor that she was helping to play with her grandchildren. So she could be the cat and she could be the fish on the floor. Mm -hmm. And she was yes. able to, to, you know, to do that because she did that in the laboratory of our classes, which is a laboratory, you know, that you can transfer and you have to transfer in your daily life, whatever you have to do. Can be feeling more ease to, open a cupboard, you know, and lifting your the arm and the shoulder or being more, more, more ease, having more ease to go on the floor, swimming, having more ease to swim, having more fun in life, you know, because if you have less, less spine, less, less pain, uh, if you, 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 you move more gracefully, you have also more fun in life, right? And yes. why should it stop when you're turning 65? <laughs> Sharon, do you have any questions you'd like to ask Clody? Yeah, well, first uh, I'd like I'd like to make a, a comment. Uh, Clody actually treated me while I was in the midst of having uh, a sciatica episode, um, and I was in a, a lot of pain at the time. And so we did, as you know, we we you created, I guess, uh, movement specifically for me at the time online. And, uh, and that, of course, helped at, at, at that moment in time. But in addition to that, you mentioned to me um, about my movement of my hips. And of course, sciatica has to do with the spine and going down the leg, etc. So you said, well, do you know how to move your hips? Which, you know, given I do aqua five days a week and swim every, I was swimming five days a week, um, that seemed on a certain level, like a ridiculous question. But of course, obviously I didn't know how to move my hips properly. So ultimately after we had done the session, which, which did help me um, as well as other things, I, I did a lot of therapy for, for sciatica, but um, I, I started to swim moving my hips more because of course in the pool, it's easy to, you know, to change your movements uh, if you're aware. And so this is, I guess, the essence of somatic education is to become aware of what you're not doing, maybe do it and see the effect. And of course that did help. In addition, now I, I do a lot of my laps using a pull boy between my legs and uh, I don't know, paddles on my arms so that I'm moving my body differently and there's less stress on my spine. Yeah. So in fact, that's what somatic education did for me. So I don't, you know, um, I think, I think uh, your information has been excellent. Um, the, the question is how does one operationalize it? How, how do you actually make it work for you for yourself? And um, I guess as you, you know, I don't know if, what you want to answer to that question. How, how does, if someone has a problem or feels they have a problem, what is the best sort of next step? Well, I think that uh, you bring an important point. 
each person is exploring for their own needs. The guidance and they, and you know, the guidance is the same, the instructions are the same, but everybody on the on the floor is is taking in uh, the instruction with his own bodily experience, you know, and then it's bringing it to, into the world wherever it has to be brought. So it's for you, it's swimming, it will help in swimming. <coughs> if it's in boxing, it will be help in boxing. It, if it's in, 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 in uh, uh, be more uh, cleaning up with more easy, will be cleaning up with more ease, you know, wherever, I have a client, she's 84, she had issues balance. She's bringing that in her way of walking better, you know? And I have another woman, she's also 75. She has a mess, but she, she even she could, she could recover not, you know, the connection in the brain because she created other connections through experience. It helped her to find more balance, even with her MS, you know? So, you, you don't know what the person need. The person will bring it wherever she needs to have it, you know? And that's also what I like because it's not cloning people to move everybody the same way. No, we are here five people on the screen. We have different way of different histories, different needs, different way of transferring what's happening in this laboratory of a class into in our, in our life. And that's what I call freedom, you know, and hope also. That's exactly that. And uh, so, and that's what touches me, you know, after how many years I'm teaching and why I don't want to stop because of that, it touches me. <laughs> it touches me to see that people who could not do things can do it now. How, what they thought impossible, it made it possible. It's just touching touching you know and uh so maybe what i would add is uh if people wants to to, to join me is it can go on the website and you can also i will put a what i call a landing page if people want to put their name and be informed about what's happening and uh, and that will be also possible and uh, but you know it's it's um it's really it's a commitment for me about what I said about ageism, but it's also bringing hope, bringing hope that that we can flourish whatever age we are, and uh, and 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 I think it's it's you know everybody's committed in the world. That's how I I'm showing up in the world, you know. <laughs> mm. I think perhaps we should end it on that really lovely note of flourishing in the world. Uh, thank you so much, Claudie. You've given us, um, you know, the expression is food for thought. You have given us a whole banquet and uh, <laughs> very grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. And it was great to spend this time with you. Thank you. Ah, good, good. Thank you.